Before we get started, I just wanted to offer a quick thank you to all those who have supported the Catechism in a Year or the Bible in a Year podcast. We hear stories every day about how those shows have transformed people's lives. And because of your prayers and financial gifts, you are a significant part of that. You might ask a question, though. The question is, what does Ascension do with these financial gifts? Great question. The answer is we make authentically Catholic podcasts and videos and other digital content to help people know the Catholic faith and grow closer to God every day. And we do it all for free. If you found this podcast to be helpful in your life and would like to help us continue making free Catholic content we can post online, please consider making a financial contribution, an ongoing financial contribution by going to ascensionpress.com slash support. That's ascensionpress.com slash support. Thank you and God bless. Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Catechism in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's plan of sheer goodness for us, revealed in Scripture and passed down to the tradition of the Catholic faith. The Catechism in a Year is brought to you by Ascension. In 365 days, we'll read through the Catechism of the Catholic Church, discovering our identity and God's family as we journey together toward our heavenly home. It is day 90. That means you've been doing this for three months. I mean, give or take. There are some months that have 31, but you know, some that have 28. So we're reading paragraph 631 to 637. As always, I'm using the Ascension edition of the Catechism, which includes the Foundations of Faith approach. But you can follow along with any recent version of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Also, you can download your own Catechism into your reading plan by visiting ascensionpress.com com slash C-I-Y. And lastly, you can click follow or subscribe in your podcast app for daily updates and daily notifications. As we get started, just thank you so much for all those who have supported the production of this podcast with your prayers, with your financial gifts. Couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much. As I said, it is day 90. We're reading paragraphs 631 to 637. It is article five. And if you're following along with your reading plan and following along in any catechism, you can see article five is he descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. Remember yesterday, we talked about how Christ truly died. And what is death? Death is the separation of body and soul. Now, we also maintained that even in death, Christ possessed his body to preserve it from corruption and Christ preserved his soul. Why? Well, one is because of this article today, paragraph one, Christ descended into hell. We're going to talk about this. And he has his mission. Now, one of the things we recognize as the first meaning given to the apostolic preaching of Jesus' descent into hell is that Jesus, like all men, experienced death in his soul. He joined the others in the realm of the dead. Now, that's one of the things we recognize, that he truly experienced death and his soul went to the abode of the dead. Now, at the same time, this is the end of paragraph 632, but he descended there as Savior, (laughs) proclaiming the good news to the spirits in prison there. We get that from 1 Peter 3, verses 18 and 19. Now, that's such an incredibly important thing that Jesus truly, like we said yesterday, truly experienced death. And at the same time, as he descended to the realm of the dead, he descended there as Savior, proclaiming the good news to the spirits in prison there. So now when we say the abode of the dead, we say hell, what do we mean? Well, in Scripture, Sheol is the Hebrew term and Hades is the Greek term for the abode of the dead because those who were there are deprived of the vision of God. That's what Catechism 633 says. Now, eternal hell, right, is this permanent deprivation of the vision of God, permanent separation from God. Now, (laughs) this is important to understand. When we're talking about the abode of the dead prior to Christ, In 633, it says this, yes, those who are there are deprived of the vision of God. Such is the case for all the dead, 
whether evil or righteous, while they await the Redeemer. Now, at the same time, that does not mean that their experience, their, their lot is identical. As Jesus shares that, you remember, remember the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, where the rich man, he dies and Lazarus dies. And the rich man goes to a place of torment, whereas Lazarus goes to rest in the bosom of Abraham. So there's a place of, of peace or place of rest. So it's not the same experience, even though the abode of the dead is that place where all the dead would go and would be deprived of the vision of God until, until what? Well, until Christ came and preached to the souls of the righteous to bring them into heaven. Now, it's very important to understand. Paragraph 633, Jesus did not descend into hell to deliver the damned, nor to destroy the hell of contamination, but to free the just who had gone before him. Now, that's going to be very, very important for us, that there are the souls of the just in the old covenant, the souls of the just prior to Jesus. And it's to them that here's Christ who announces the good news. He comes to that place of the dead, the abode of the dead, to deliver those who are righteous as their savior. And this is just really important. This is what we're going to talk about today. And I'm so excited because this is one of those articles. Again, we say in the Apostles' Creed every single time we pray it. We say it in the Nicene Creed. We talk about he descended into hell. He descended to the abode of the dead. When we say this, what do we mean? We get to hear about that today. So to open our hearts and to open our minds, to just be able to enter into this truth that Jesus Christ descended all the way to hell for us. He sent it all the way to hell to demonstrate that there is no place, there's no depth to which he will not go. Let's just ask the Lord to help us today. We pray, Father in heaven, we give you praise. We thank you so much for bringing us to this moment. We thank you so much for the gift of your son. We thank you so much for the fact that his love knows no bounds, that even the abode of the dead is not out of bounds for your love. We thank you for the fact that Christ descended into hell, that he descended to the abode of the dead to rescue the righteous. Help us to walk with righteousness. Help us to walk in right relationship with you so that we can live forever in right relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. As I said, it is day 90. We're reading paragraphs 631 to 637. Article 5. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. Jesus descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is he who also ascended far above all the heavens. The Apostles' Creed confesses in the same article Christ's descent into hell and his resurrection from the dead on the third day because in his Passover, it was precisely out of the depths of death that he made life spring forth. As we pray at the Easter Vigil in the Roman Missal, the one morning star who never sets, Christ your Son, who coming back from death's domain has shed his peaceful light on humanity and lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Paragraph 1. Christ descended into hell. The frequent New Testament affirmations that Jesus was raised from the dead presuppose that the crucified one sojourned in the realm of the dead prior to his resurrection. This was the first meaning given in the apostolic preaching to Christ's descent into hell that Jesus, like all men, experienced death and in his soul joined the others in the realm of the dead. But he descended there as Savior, proclaiming the good news to the spirits in prison there. Scripture calls the abode of the dead, to which the dead Christ went down, hell, Sheol in Hebrew, or Hades in Greek, because those who are there are deprived of the vision of God. Such is the case for all the dead, whether evil or righteous, while they await the Redeemer. 
which does not mean that their lot is identical, as Jesus shows through the parable of the poor man Lazarus, who was received into Abraham's bosom. It is precisely these holy souls who awaited their Savior and Abraham's bosom whom Christ the Lord delivered when he descended into hell. Jesus did not descend into hell to deliver the damned, nor to destroy the hell of damnation, but to free the just who had gone before him. The gospel is preached even to the dead. The descent into hell brings the gospel message of salvation to complete fulfillment. This is the last phase of Jesus' messianic mission, a phase which is condensed in time, but vast in its real significance. The spread of Christ's redemptive work to all men of all times and all places, for all who are saved, have been made sharers in the redemption. Christ went down into the depths of death, so that the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Jesus, the author of life, by dying destroyed him who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and delivered all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong bondage. Henceforth, the risen Christ holds the keys of death and Hades, so that, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. As an ancient homily for Holy Saturday states, Today, a great silence reigns on earth, a great silence and a great stillness. A great silence because the king is asleep. The earth trembled and is still because God has fallen asleep in the flesh and he has raised up all who have slept ever since the world began. He has gone to search for Adam, our first father, as for a lost sheep. Greatly desiring to visit those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death, he has gone to free from sorrow Adam in his bonds and Eve captive with him. He who is both their God and the son of Eve. I am your God who for your sake have become your son. I order you, O sleeper, to awake. I did not create you to be a prisoner in hell. Rise from the dead, for I am the life of the dead. In brief, by the expression, he descended into hell, the Apostles' Creed confesses that Jesus did really die, and through his death for us, conquered death and the devil who has the power of death. In his human soul, united to his divine person, the dead Christ went down to the realm of the dead, he opened heaven's gates for the just who had gone before him. Okay, as I said, those are paragraphs 631 to 637. Just remarkable, incredible. Again, Jesus truly experienced death. That's one of the things we're affirming. He also descended to hell. Why? As the Savior. So important that we understand this reality about the abode of the dead prior to Christ. That yes, all of the dead there would be deprived of the vision of God, and yet their experience of death would be different. One would be, you know, a sense of place of peace, a place of rest in the bosom of Abraham. The others would be, again, the place of torment that hell actually is. Now, Jesus descending into hell, we just want to reaffirm this, did not deliver the damned because those who have chosen against God, they cannot change their choice and they don't want to change their choice. And he did not also destroy the hell of damnation, but he freed the just who have gone before him. Now, this is <laughs> crazy. Paragraph 634. It says, the descent into hell brings the gospel message of salvation to complete fulfillment. Now, why would that be the case? This is a really bold statement. The descent into hell brings the gospel message of salvation to complete fulfillment. Why? Because it says, goes on to say, this is the last phase of Jesus's messianic mission. The last phase. Jesus didn't just come for those people who happened to be alive while he was on this earth. But this messianic mission was for them, of course, and for all those who came after him, of course. But this mission 
This mission was for all men at all times in all places. And so as Jesus descends to the abode of the dead, death, which comes to every human being and had come to every human being who had existed prior to Jesus on this earth, this phase of his messianic mission is condensed in time, but vast in its real significance. That's the paragraph again, 634 says, it says the last line is the spread of Christ's redemptive work to all men of all times and all places for all who are saved have been made sharers in the redemption. That it's not just for those who came after Christ. That's, that's the big question sometimes people ask. They say, what about everyone who existed before Jesus? What about all those people who had died before Christ could open the gates of heaven? The answer is, well, he came for them as well. When he descended into hell, when he descended to the realm of the dead, he went to rescue all of those who had chosen God, those who had not rejected, rebelled against God, but who were unable to enter into God's presence. So what happens? God goes to them to deliver them. Think about this. This is the logic of the incarnation. God goes to them to deliver them, just like how God comes to us to deliver us. In the incarnation, what does God do? He comes to us to deliver us. In the sacraments, what does God do? He comes to us to deliver us. In his grace and his Holy Spirit, what does God do? He comes to us to deliver us. And to those souls held captive in the abode of the dead, what does he do? He goes to them to deliver them. And I love, I love this ancient homily for Holy Saturday. We read it every Holy Saturday as, as priests and deacons, as religious sisters and brothers. And as lay people, you get to read this too if you want. This ancient homily that talks about how here he's gone to search for Adam, our first father, as for a lost sheep. I actually literally right now, as I'm standing here recording this, there is an image right in front of me right above this catechism, that is an image of Jesus descending into hell. And he has two people by the wrist. He's grasping them by the wrist. It's an icon. He's grasping them by the wrist and he's lifting them out of their graves. And it is Adam and it is Eve. I am your God who for your sake have become your son. I order you, O sleeper, to awake. And I love this line. I did not create you to be a prisoner in hell. Rise from the dead, for I am the life of the dead. And that's just such a powerful truth that God did not create you. He did not create me to be a prisoner in hell. And so long before we can choose it, we choose Jesus. So grateful, so grateful to the Lord who demonstrates that his love literally knows no bounds. That he comes to rescue us. Again, he comes to us to save us, just like he always does. And so we give God praise today. We, We pray today and we give God thanks today. I am praying for you. Please pray for me. My name is Father Mike. I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless.